Hey, everybody, welcome to Stuff Said with Greg Shegel. I am Greg Shegel. I'm a cartoonist, and I talk to other people in the world of comics, cartooning, and beyond. That's the show. And you're tuned in for this episode where I talk to Scotty Young. You may know Scotty Young as the artist of Marvel Comics' Wizard of Oz adaptations written by Eric Schanauer, or you might know him as the guy who's drawn... I don't know, billions upon billions, like the stars in the sky, whoever it was that said that, of the variant covers featuring Marvel characters as little kids, babies, children, however you want to call it. Now, one thing I can tell you about Scotty Young, which is not anything I couldn't tell you about myself, I think that double negative made sense, is uh, he's a talker and I am a talker, so in of mental preparation for this I was thinking this is going to be a long one this is going to be me and Scotty going on and on tangents nonsense I mean it would be a lot of stuff being said I actually almost sent out a, a message on Twitter that making a contest like hey if anyone can guess the final running time for the for the conversation with Scotty Young you'll win a prize but I didn't do that because I didn't want to put pressure on us to, to achieve some sort of conversational, I don't know what, goalpost? Is that the right, that could be the right word. Anyway, when we did meet up to record, we actually, it actually worked out pretty well because we had lunch first without anything being recorded. So we talked, you know, all through lunch about all kinds of stuff. Then when we finally sat down to record, we actually kept things pretty pretty streamlined so what you're gonna hear i mean it's a lot we talk about a lot but it happens with tremendous efficiency and i think it's particularly interesting slash funny considering some of the topics and the stuff we talk about which i think it will all make sense this might be one of those things where you listen to it and then come back and listen to what i just said and and see how how this all makes sense but to do that, you have to listen to it. So here's me and Scotty saying all kinds of stuff. Enjoy. You actually, you listen to the show. You're a guy that listens to this show. Like from the beginning. Yeah, from so the very beginning. So what do you think? I'm going to talk about first. I don't know. I was actually thinking about that. I was like, what is I leading into podcast interviews? I never actually think about what they're going to be asking me because everybody's so drastically different in the goals of that one out of a show. So I tend not to try to predict but having it. listened to the show. You know what? I don't know because I've never worked with you. And normally I, you are my, you're kind of like um, high fidelity podcast for me. Remember high fidelity I, where I he goes back through his past and yeah, he's yeah. interviewing like old girlfriends through sure. his life. You're like that, but a comic book guy. So all the people on your show have intersected your life in your past somehow. So it'll be like, hey, what, what? And it's like, and here's where you and I met. Let's ex- let's explore that. So I was like, we don't have any of those moments. What are we going to talk about? We've got moments. Do you want to know where you met? I know where we met. San Diego, right? But do you remember which year? Oh, 2000. You're thinking of 2011. No. It was... Did we meet before that? We did. Did we really? Yes. Oh, no. But it was, oh, no. it was a very passing meeting. Okay. 
I approached you, you were at your table, and I approached you as the guy who wrote X-Babies to thank you for doing the covers okay. for X-Babies. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, I think you doing those covers did way more for you <laughs> than it ever did for that book <laughs> in a million years. Well, people still to this day, I don't think, remember that I did those covers, which is, makes this new crop so weird. That's because nobody bought that comic book. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would love for people to go seek out the trade because I think it's a good book. Right. But, yeah, that, that was the first time I actually approached you and talked to you. Right. A year later was when we met for real. We hung out. Yeah. Like we hung out that night with Howard, Jason Howard. Jason, and, yeah, Ryan, yeah. Chris Giruso. Was somebody else there? You, me. It was me, maybe Otley. Yeah, yeah Otley maybe, was maybe there. Ryan Otley was there. And I th- yeah. I think that was maybe it. There wasn't a big group. I was so sick. Like that night, I was getting sick to the point where the next day, I actually left my table and went to the hotel and slept. Really? For an hour. You know what's funny? I mean, I remember that night hanging out with you for the first time. Because all we did all night was draw and talk about podcasts. Well, what happened? Yeah, because I remember being very surprised because I said, because I didn't know if you knew who I was. I'm like, right. yeah, I, I do this podcast. And you looked dead in the eye and go, oh, I know. Yeah. And I was like, what? You had what? just started it, too. I just started yeah. it. Yeah. There had been three episodes. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm nobody. Right. In, in the grand scheme, I'm like, maybe you knew I wrote that X-Baby thing, but maybe you didn't even know that. Yeah. So, yes. But, yeah, we spent the entire night. Uh, talking about podcasts, talking about comedy, and doing what we do, which is trash talk, yeah, which but, is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because we all agreed on who the trash was. Yes. We won't talk about no, the trash here, won't do that, no. but we agreed on what the trash was, and then yes. we're off to the races. I think – and you and I, a couple of chatterboxes. <laughs> we bonded a lot over Comedy Bang Bang. Yes. Which was Comedy Death Ray at the, at, at the, at the time, time, and yeah. which I still would love to refer to it as Comedy Death Ray. I've, I've adjusted. Did you adjust? Yeah. yeah. I, I sometimes call it CBB. Oh! Yeah. Wow. Hey, it's shorter. Fewer syllables. All right, all right. Uh, but yeah, that is when we first met. We had that conversation, and I was surprised that you knew who I was. And, and you knew who I was because of that podcast. Uh, yeah, well, I think it was a kind of a mixture. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember how I found the podcast. I mean, Jason I listened to it. Tweeted it I think it. Jason probably told me about it. Okay. Or I might have just found it organically. I don't know, because I do search out podcasts a lot. I'm um, gonna give. The, I'm giving credit on this one to Jason. Yeah, we'll probably do that because then you're also giving me static for not being on Twitter. And you it weren't took on Twitter me, at the time. No, I think it took me a year before, yeah. after that to get on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of people think like, eh, "What's the Twitter thing?" Oh, we're gonna talk about that later. All right, all right. We'll get to that. All right. There's an order to this thing, all Scott. Right. Right. Work your magic. Yeah, work, work. <laughs> so now we were talking trash talk, smack talk, smack. Yeah. Which is gonna is gonna segue us now? Okay, you know I like the segues. <laughs> you the best part un- of segues is when you call them segues, so it actually ruins the smoothness of the. Well, seg- yeah. Okay. Sometimes I edit those out. <laughs> Sometimes I leave them in. <laughs> A component of your history, the story of Scotty Young, mm-hmm. is you you come from hip hop. I'm putting air quotes on that. Okay. But part of your you know skateboarding, right. Hip hop, that thing, and and part of hip hop is certainly. Trash talk. Right. Putting people on blast. Sure. <laughs> Put them on front street. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So I want to talk about the hip-hop aspect of your work. Okay. Because the, the map we're, we're going to follow mm-hmm. before we really start having a real sure. back and forth is I want to talk about your artwork okay. and the evolution of your artwork. Right. So the earliest stuff I remember seeing was your Human Torch miniseries. Mm-hmm. And that is straight up graffiti. Yeah. Like – all right, maybe not seventy-five percent graffiti, twenty-five percent cartooning. Right. What was your attitude at that point? Were you were you taking the attitude of, 
I'm bringing graffiti to comics. I'm going to show these people that you can do this thing, or this is just how I draw. Yeah, it definitely. I don't think it was. I may have. There may have been part of me attempting to say I was trying to make some new thing, but it was just uh, a mixture of this. These are the things that I was into. I was into this kind of music. Read hip hop magazines. You saw these little hip hop characters, graffiti spray can figurines, all that you know. And so that that was a part of me. Comic books were a part of me. Skateboarding was a part of me. So these are all kind of subcultures that are very art and icon driven sure. and style driven. And the other part of that math is just me being young and not knowing wh- who or what I was. Sure, you know. And and so just trying to eke out something. I think at the heart of it, though, there always was that desire to find the individual of of me as an artist. You know? Sure, there's an aspiration of something you want yeah. your work to look like. Right. So at that time, were you? What did you want your work to look like? I wanted it to look like a funkier version of people like Joe Mad and Umberto, and okay. you know that new kind of that, that Mike Raringo, like that that late '90s cartoon, the car, you know the cartoony guys, yeah. so they call them. Just that style of comic booking that wasn't necessarily just about memorizing muscles and cross-hatching and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to be like that and then mix in that side of me with that. And that's where I think a lot of that kind of graffiti kind of street art stuff um, came out came from. I don't know if it worked all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but that's, that's where at least where the, the intent was. The next thing you did – or the, the, the evolution of what you became, the next thing I remember, was that New Warriors miniseries. Yeah, there was something between that. but uh, Yeah, there's yeah. definitely stuff in between, but I'm, I'm, ta- I'm looking at like... Uh, like stylish uh, evolutions. Yeah, if you're playing a video game and you right. get to a save, le- a save point. Right. Or in, in like a Sonic, you'd like run past that thing. Yeah. yeah. So the next thing I remember was of a stylistic, like a real shift, right. was that New Warriors miniseries and then New X-Men, at least the first three or four issues of right. your run. Yeah, yeah. And that was, to my eye, very clearly much more animation-based. Right. I mean, it was almost in that Cheeks Galloway, Don Bluth. Right. Like, all that stuff seemed to be... So, I guess the question is, is that stuff that you started to take in and then adapted, or... Yeah. I mean, I think there was that attempt to be super stylized at the beginning was, you know, that, like, oh, I'm going to try to be this thing in the stylized thing. All the while, I still love animation. You know, I grew up watching every Disney movie, and I love movies like The Labyrinth and uh, you know, all that Henson stuff. So I, my heart was always there as well. As I got better and made a little money, I could afford these Disney art books, and I, my, you know, I never went to college. So as I started to become somewhat successful and have a little exp- you know, extra income, I started to buy art books and buy – any kind of making of this and making of that. And that became sort of my college, you know, mm-hmm. is just amassing this huge library of books. And the more I did that, the more uh, I started to learn the rules, right? It's that the whole thing, learn yeah. the rules, then break them. I was breaking things before I knew what <laughs> I was breaking. And so, yeah, then I just started as, as uh, it was somewhere midway through venom when it started to kind of click for me when I was working on venom. And then, and then I had a, um, a nice little lead time into new warriors. And that's where I was really like, all right, I, I really intent. It was the first time that I made an, in, an intentional move to not add any blacks to my pages unless an object was black. So if it's a black leather coat, 
it'll, yeah. it can be black. Other than that, I was going to force myself to draw everything. I wasn't going to, you know, hide behind a big area of black or black out three quarters of the page or any of that stuff. I was really going to force myself to basically learn how to draw everything, you know? So what did, what was the big takeaway from all those books? Was it, cause I remember learning, you know, you get how to draw books and all that. I was right. drawing since I was a kid, but I remember going to, to DreamWorks to be taught how to draw road to El Dorado right. for possible licensing stuff Sure. and seeing just watching people draw, like physically watching their hands draw. Mm-hmm. And I certainly watched as a kid drawing shows on TV. This guy, Mark Kistler did a show and I would watch that, but watching them draw and watching them build figures in that, what I'm going to call the Disney style, sure. even though it's DreamWorks, they're all coming from the same place. Oh, right. Like that it had such a profound effect on me in terms of how to construct a figure. You know, you start with how to draw comics to Marvel way, and then you start seeing this other stuff where it just it's cleaned up even more. Right. What was your is it was yours a similar takeaway, or were you seeing something else in all those? Yeah, I was seeing movement and mass. I, it was the first time these books were showing me that drawing was mostly about movement and mass, and I hadn't thought about it like that. I was always thinking about it as outlines, mm-hmm. outlining of a thing, and that's why things would be wonky and weird. And I was drawing, you know, I wasn't drawing a figure; I was drawing an arm. And then I was drawing the other arm and doing, you know, you're drawing the pieces of the whole and not the whole and, and watching these, these, the special features. I mean, this is coinciding with the, you know, DVDs coming out as well. So now every DVD has a special edition and like the making of Atlantis was a two hour documentary, (laughs) you know, that I watched a hundred times because they talked about color theory and they talked about, you know, they really got into like, why does this character look like this? And why does this shape? make you think this thing about a character. So you start figuring out what mass and movement and shapes do for character. It fills in some of those things that you, you know, if I make a a character that's pear shaped, or if I make a character that's has more of a triangle shape or, you know, these different shapes are going to start doing work for me that I didn't know I needed to have done uh, for the reader. You know, it's like this, like kind of like subconscious things. Um, But then it really just came down to that simple thing of movement, really like, I was able to start moving characters around the page and really start making it feel as if I felt character. If you just stared at the page long enough, they'd move, you know? Um, so that's, I think what I took away most. It's funny that you keyed into the, the symbology stuff because that goes back to the iconography of graffiti. T-shirt. Yeah. 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 The logo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everything's got a meaning. Everything's sort of directing your eye in a way. This guy's shaped like a square because he's, you know, yeah. Hard. To, he's immovable. Right. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, absolutely. It's all there. Yeah, it's all – you don't know that it's there when you're first dealing with it. Yeah. You don't know why you're doing the things. But then you're reading these things or seeing these things. You're like, oh, yeah, I do that. I didn't know why I did it, but now I know why I do it, and I'm going to keep doing it. I think that was one of the things I got from understanding comics. It's like you read this thing and go, I know all this stuff, but right. now there are words right. that define the things I knew that I knew but didn't know I knew. And right. I think that sentence made sense. Yeah, it did. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Now, after you, you do this, this very clean, animated-looking stuff mm-hmm. that has movement, etc., then we get the real, like we get ever closer to what is modern Scotty Young. Right. And I think it happened in two places, and you could tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. The first time I think it happens, well, there's, there's one panel in an issue of New X-Men, but I think the real, like, strikeout point, and not strikeout like baseball, but like you struck out on your own, on sort own of thing, yeah. is that Frankenstein story. There you go. I was hoping that you found it. I read it when it came out. Did you? Oh, yeah. I didn't nice. find it. Right. 
I bought a werewolf comic and it had this backup in it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, he wrote this thing too? Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. And it looked completely different. Dark, yeah. scratchy, heavy shadows. Yeah. So that was the first time you, you did that. Yep. Correct? Mm-hmm. Was, I mean, part of me goes, oh, it's for the story. He did it for the story and then got attached to it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I want to try and apply this to what I'm doing there. Or were you just, because... You're saying you're trying to find your voice, your drawing voice. Right. Before you did Human Torch, before you did Spider-Clan Venom, what kind of – how did you draw? Well, I mean, it just like – I mean, again, it was more images. I mean, I didn't draw, I didn't draw any books before I drew a Marvel. It was just like – No, but like what kind of stuff? Just it would be more like a skater or a, you know, some weird little character, you know, like holding spray cans or – you know, but was it more like the early stuff you're doing, or was it more like what you're doing? Oh no, now? definitely early stuff. Okay, the earlier stuff. So this is a clear evolution, not a, a shedding of attempts to look like something else. Right. Okay. Uh, it, it's yeah. Sh- I mean, yes, shedding some things, but but not knowing that they were there to shed. So it, it's a, definitely evolving to the natural space, which I think is a is a something that happens a lot. Sure. For me, with Frankenstein, it was. Well, it was cool because uh, at the time John Barber was an editor up there, and and I had w- really wanted to start doing some writing, you know, because I've been at the company a long time at that point, and, you know, whatever six years or something, six or seven years, you think it's a long time. <laughs> and they said, "Hey, we're doing half and half issues of the Mon- Marvel monsters, so there'll be a werewolf by night, and uh, right, is that what it's called? Yeah. Werewolf by night. And uh, we want you to do. Oh no, they basically gave me a list. Here's all the monsters. Which one would you want to do? And I was like, oh. Frankenstein monster Frankenstein would be great and they're like who do you who would you want to write it I was like well can I just write it this is 14 pages or whatever and they're like yeah sure you know like basically everything I've ever done in my career is basically me saying do you guys care if I do my own covers all right all right can I ink myself too yeah sure you know it's uh and so I just did that do you guys care if I write it they didn't care came up with that little tale and at the same time I had started it was around 2006 and I had started with some buddies in Chicago we started doing kind of a drink and draw on Wednesdays and at the time, I had also met Eric Canetti, who uses these crazy Stadler Mars 3000 brush pins. Okay. It's like this rubber foam rubber tip. And I mean, that, so, I mean, when you look at Eric Canetti, his work, you just want to know like what lightsaber he's using because you want to go <laughs> slay some people like he does, right? It's that good. So I got to know him. And so I bought handfuls of these markers or whatever. And so I, I would use them at drawing night. But I was trying to ink super nice and slick, and I would just mess up. But instead of just leaving the drawing unfinished, I would finish it fast mm-hmm. and kind of scribble it out with this brush pen. Because I was just like, how does he use this thing? <laughs> and over the course of weeks of messing up, I started to enjoy the messed up side more than the, me trying to be Tim Townsend side. Yeah, yeah. Because Tim's a master at a it's brush. It's so hard to let go of that, though, right? Yeah, it's really tough. Like, I, I draw clean slick i love the way it looks yeah and chris Jeruso is constantly getting on me to just do like you do convention sketches yeah. like that quick thing that you do there's and something it's, about it's, it man i mean once i once i accepted that i kind of enjoyed that more and then that frankenstein thing came up around the same time so i thought well this is a good spot to just try it because it is a dark story it's a gritty story so i can try to play around I'll, you know the crash course on new warriors gave me that education that I needed to 
think pages through and think environments through. And I, now I was thinking in full 3d. So now when I started adding blacks, it made sense. I, I, I understood it. Yeah. So when the Frankenstein thing came up, I just approached, I approached that stuff from the drawing nights of the messed up scratchy brush stuff and threw it in, uh, the Frankenstein thing. And, and I was, when I got done, I mean, I did those pages so fast <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't believe how fast I did these pages. I can't believe how happy I was with them and how, free I felt and just like work had never felt like that before. Like work was always like work. Right. But then as soon as my next project, my next project was waiting for me, which was new X-Men that was already on deck and Oh no. Cause spider clan, I did another spider clan and I went back to clean and then did the new X-Men and went back to clean there. And yeah, I, ju- cause I think the Frankenstein thing came out between issues of, of new X-Men. Somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. So I mean, then, I don't know when you drew right, it, but right. when it was released. So then I went into the new X-Men and I went back to the clean style, you know, because I, I was probably still a little afraid to just like don that because mm-hmm. you're still thinking, well, I can't just do what I want, even though I generally have always just done what I wanted. And, and so I just did what I've done and did the clean stuff and kind of did a little ver- basically a version of what I did on New Warriors, not as wacky, but then just added spot black to that. And it wasn't until, you know, I finished the main arc, which was like five issues. Yeah. And then I thought it was going to be done. And they were like, hey, do you mind doing the next two issues? They needed basically another two issues because a crossover was coming. Right. And timing-wise, some things got shifted around, so we needed to slide in a couple extra issues. And they were like, do you, do you think you could do them? And time was tight and everything, so I was like, sure. But I thought, this is a good point. We finished an arc. I won't be changing in the middle of an arc. But I think maybe I'll try that scratchy stuff. And I'll yeah. just try the just the brushwork. Um, and it is in a couple of panels in the first group. You do like a flashback. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that last couple issues, I just embraced it, pulled out yeah. the brush, and did it. And instantly, people were like, "Ooh, what? Like, what's happening here?" You know, like <laughs> in a good way. Like, yeah. People really responded well to it, and. Then I was always I – re, I remember just being frustrated that I didn't accept that at the beginning because in hindsight, why wouldn't I? It's, I, I basically brought you – know, we brought magic back, which was Sienkiewicz. Yeah. You know, it was the Sienkiewicz world, you know, and I was like, why didn't I – that would have been harnessing kind of a Sienkiewicz feel in bringing her back modern day. And, but that was basically where the last line of me just embracing that. I think I'm happier with just – impressionistic kind of loose stuff than I am the other side. So that's 2001 to 2006, 2005. Yeah. Well, I did new X-Men in 2007. Okay. So why do you think, and I don't know the answer to Mm -hmm. this. Otherwise I wouldn't ask. Why do you think it took six years to get to, I want to have more fun with this. I'm going to draw the way I draw. It's overthinking and maturity. I mean, I started working at Marvel when I was 23 or four or something like Didn't that. Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're just young and you think you know what you're doing and you think you know what your career is and, you know, you're, you're making decisions and, and, and you also... What was your career at that point? Not that I, I, I'm interrupting you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just that every time I was on a book, you think like, I'm on this book and I work at Marvel and I'm this, you know, you just think you're a... You don't think much past the. So you were in the moment. You were you were like this. very much so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I it wasn't until probably near near the time when I started doing New Warriors or maybe New X Men when I started my all my goals started to be five years from now. Like okay. everything I decide now, I'm going to try to is this a good decision for me five years from now? 
and it, that's kind of how me and, and my wife, we kind of approach most things now. Like if we do this now, will we be happy with it at, at five years or whatever? But All right. So getting back to what we were saying. Yeah. I think what it was was the maturity level of it where you are capable of going. There is no reason to you asked me what the career was. It wasn't about what I thought my career was. It was about that. I thought that you had to define yourself. And once you defined yourself, you had to stick with it. That's what it was. And as you get older and you mature, you realize that's not a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like you do not have to define yourself so permanently. You can play around and you can experiment as you move along. And I think that's what happened was once I was like, you know what? I have been this thing. But I'm getting slightly bored of it. Like work isn't as fun as I thought that it should be. Yeah. You know, because you think you're drawing comics. I mean, you're drawing comics for a living. You think that's supposed to be like you're supposed to be like having a party in your head every day. And it wasn't feeling like that. It was feeling like, what else can I do? Like, should I go downtown? (laughs) Should You know what I mean? Should I go to the record store today? You know, And, and it wasn't like that. So I think letting go a little bit. You realize like, well, if I just let go and, and see what else happens, we'll just see what happens. And then mm-hmm. once that did – ever since that day, work's never felt like work. Like, I mean, it, you know. Lucky you. Yeah, right? Jeez. Oh, I'm big Sean. Yeah, show off. <laughs> <laughs> now, all of that work leads us to Oz. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about Oz a lot. You've done it. It's the thing you've done the longest in your yeah. career to date. Yeah. I only have really one question about Oz. Okay. All right. So I read The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It's the only one I've read. I thought it was pretty boring. Thanks for the support. No, I'm talking about the original book. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the comics. I'm talking about the original right, the novels. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you need my support. <laughs> I provide emotional support. <laughs> so in the original book, which again, I found pretty boring. Yeah. I think the movie, it's, it's the example I point out of a movie that's better than the book. Sure. Is that MGM movie. But the Wicked Witch does not appear in drawings in that book. Uh, in the original one? Yeah. At least my copy. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I mean, she does. There's, there's some drawings of her. There are? Yeah. Then this entire question is worthless. Because my question was, the way you designed the Wicked yeah. Witch is very much not in the traditional look of a witch. Right. Wicked or otherwise. You know, obviously, the most famous one is the Green Wicked Witch from the movie. Sure. But in general, witches have the big noses, the warts, the chin, the hat, the whole nine yards. So when you approach this now, – now I'm, I'm coming a little blind because I don't know this drawing, sure. this Denslow drawing you're speaking of. But what – when you came at the witch, which is such an iconic character, it's a character I've mentioned on this show with other people a bunch of times as mm-hmm. one of the great villains of all time. How were you coming at it? Was it – and I do this all the time where I give you multiple choice. <laughs> but – was it based on this Denzel drawing that you've seen but I haven't? Or were you saying, I'm going to go the opposite direction? She's going to have sort of a roundish head, little nose. She's I mean, only was, showing up in this book anyway. It was more just the text. Like the, my, what I tried to do with that first book was I read the book first, watched the movie, read or looked through artwork of anybody else who had done stuff with Oz in recent years, and then looked through the art whatever art I could dig up on that original novel. Like I, I, I got reprints of the original hardcovers mm-hmm. and so would look through that. So I didn't, I actually found that sometimes those original Denzel stuff in that first one didn't actually reflect sometimes the text. It seemed like he just kind of would do stuff, 
you know? So I tried to stick with the text first. Or in the case of the witch, you know, there was the text and then the drawings of her. You know, she has like some, like, you know, there's like a yellow hat and she's, you know, missing an eye. And I, but I, I feel like she wore an eye patch for it. But de- definitely doesn't look anything like witches that we think. It's just like more of like a little munchkin character, you know, with braids and kind of ugly. So I just kind of took the essence of that idea of the evil woman that missing an eye and has taken over a castle, you know, that she's basically went in and enslaved the people and took over castle. So it was more the spirit of the text that I tried to go with almost on all stuff in that first one to try to keep myself from not doing what I've met, you know, seen that movie a hundred times, you sure. know, because I felt that that would service everybody, you know, it service me it service the book. It service the fans of both movie and the book. Um, Oz people are into it. Yeah. Like they're into Oz. They love it, man. They love it. Yeah. They love it to death. They love it. All right. I was curious. I don't know. I think of a witch. I think of the witch. Yeah, which I don't know where that I don't know where the first visions of that came from. I don't know where what the origin of that look would be. I don't know if I I can't I imagine like gotta, it was that movie, it, but it's got to predate that movie. It has to. Right? Halloween predates that movie. Right. People dressed like witches. Do right? they? Uh-huh. I mean, there's that Salem witch stuff that was before that movie. Do they look like that? I think that's why they threw them in the oceans with and made them sink or swim because they were green with warts. Yeah, they had giant noses. <laughs> Maybe not the green part, but certainly the giant nose. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. That, that's my only question about Oz. What do you think of that? I like it. <laughs> Good. Look. No stone unturned here on, I'm just on saying, uh, You've talked about Oz a lot. I have. We, there's plenty yeah. more. I got a whole other side of this. Let's do it. Let's, let's move on. So, something else you did in your time, have, have done. You're not dead yet. <laughs> I'm not, baby. I'm still kicking. Something else you've done at Marvel is you've written stuff. And mm-hmm. the only thing you've written to date that you've drawn for yourself is that Frankenstein story. Everything else, somebody else has drawn. No, one, uh, one other short story in X-Men, one of those X-Men Manifest Destiny. Wasn't that Dan Panosian drawing that? He did the Juggernaut. There was another one that I did what? with Anoli. Um, it was basically directly after my new X-Men run. With this and this Wicked Witch thing, you're shattering my research. Blowing up your spot, I'm man. firing my intern. There you go. Yeah, there was one short story. It was like... Eight pages or somewhere okay. in that vicinity, and it was right after my new X Men run, and it was um, about Anoli, the lizard yeah. kid, and it was after they, right after New X Men, they basically shut down the school, and the, and then they, I think that's when they were getting right. I forget what came right next, but they were shutting down the school. I'm gonna assume it's House of M where they got rid of all the mutants. No, no, that was way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He and and I just wrote a story about him feeling uh, let down that. They were, you know, they had sent these kids to hell and blow the school and all this stuff. And now they're just sending them home, you know. And on top of that, this kid's, you know, he's gay. And at the time, like, North Star was, was kind of a good care. So I had North Star kind of come out to him and talk to him and just be like, hey, you know, we're going to take care of everything. And, and he kind of is frustrated, like, what, what, because I'm the gay character. They got to send the gay X-Men, to, you know. Like, there was just some, some frustration. And, and the story kind of that I was trying to tell was, how easily the X-Men can get these kids involved with things, you know, cause at the end of the day, and, and the thing I think I always wanted people to remember is their children. You know, we get wrapped up in the X-Men a lot, but they're not, and we think we're at a school, but almost nobody thinks about them as kids, at least around that era. Yeah. They were still very much adults all the time. Yeah. Without Jubilee around. There's right. No real kid reference. Right. Before that kitty pride. And- so it was just a, it was almost a little story of just a runaway. Like he was running away and he went home, but he, now after all that he had been through, 
like his dad dropped his coffee cup and he like literally jumps up and attacks his dad, you know, because he just got back PTSD. from, he literally sure. just got back from limbo, you yeah. know? So it, it was just a short little story, but I did draw that one. And that was okay. again in the kind of brushy style that I had started working in. So I, I want to talk about the experience of writing for another artist. Okay. Cause I've, I've done it. Yeah. You've done it, but we ourselves draw. Mm-hmm. And I imagine when you're writing something, you have an image of what it should look like for sure have a concept of the storytelling how much of that is in your plots your scripts oh a lot yeah and then without calling anybody out putting anybody on blast right how often is somebody achieving the storytelling that you were hoping for i have there's only one story that i wrote where i feel that the art and it was the one that i didn't pick I know which one it is. I could tell. Well, we'll talk about it later. But <laughs> there was one story that I didn't pick, the artist. Um, all my other ones I got to pick and because I you know, I'd, I'd find someone that I think matched me and, and kind of matched what I would th- was thinking or whatever. And there was one that, that didn't, and it, it still was fine. No. Really? I was actually – I was good. So I was wrong, everybody. I wrote yeah. the name of what I thought it was on a piece yeah. of paper. I just showed it to you Scotty. You are striking out, man. That's I think that's three strikes. I have another question about that story anyway. <laughs> okay. Continue. For the most part, and even that when I say that wasn't my that wasn't the one I was happiest with, I still was not walking away from it being like that was a disaster. I was like, Oh, it was fine. But didn't didn't hit some of those visual cues that the way that I had it in my head. And I think it's not down to what their abilities were. It's just that they couldn't read my mind, right. you know, and, and nor anybody should. But guys like Dan Panosian, like getting him on that juggernaut story I wrote was fantastic. It was super funny. I liked Clay Mann on the Magneto stuff because he did stuff that I w- wouldn't have done, but that was nice. It was a refreshing. Can I ask you a question about that Magneto story? Yeah. That was a miniseries, right? Yeah, four issues, yeah. Is that something you said, I want to tell this story, or is this something where they had a story and said, do you want to write it? It's a mixture. It, the story wasn't given to me, but the idea of, like, maybe a Joseph story, like maybe there's a story there with Magneto versus Joseph and something in that realm. But it was a tough story to write because you're dealing with a really big character in the X universe. And at the time, there was some big stuff going on with him in the X universe. So this was kind of a side jaunt for him. That I, the real challenge is telling a story with these characters and then returning them untouched, you know, like yeah. kind of unchanged. And and we had talked about wanting to maybe tell a story that, you know, Magneto has been a good guy now for a while. And maybe we should tell a story that shows that he's still a badass, you know, that he's still got that inside of him. Like, did you have any – and this is this is completely from my point of view. Like, I had – no connection to Joseph. Right. That was after I was I was sort of well past reading the X Men stuff. Right. So I guess I was reading it and I'm like, does Scotty care about Joseph? Like, is this a thing he's actually in? Yeah, I was into Joseph. You were? Yeah. I mean, because it was Age of Apocalypse stuff. Yeah, like, it looked really cool. Well, he came out of Age of Apocalypse yeah. and then was around for a while after that, and then there was like the Magneto Wars. I think I checked out. I like yeah. I checked Age of Apocalypse out because the artwork was so cool. Right. But then once all those miniseries ended. And that event was done. Right. I was done. I was like, oh. yeah. No, I still went on, and there was the Alan Davis Magneto War stuff, which basically was where Joseph got killed, where they, where Magneto and him, and the X Men went head to head, and and he was killed up north or whatever. And so that was my idea. Was right, like, so you you did have a connection. to I had a connection theory. to him. Yeah. I mean, whether or not I was super successful 
in in that endeavor what is another question right i'm i'm super proud of some character moments in that story from a writing standpoint but the stuff that clay did visually is stuff that it it was as i it it was what i wrote and it was different than what i would have drawn even though it still followed my storytelling yeah. and i liked that i liked sort of like being surprised oh no i had that experience with x babies where yeah. jacob would turn these pages around and i'd be like not what i imagined but this looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a part of that growing up thing too, where you're like, you know, this art style is not any sort of style that I would ever be capable of drawing in, but I'm enjoying it. Like yeah. I, I'm enjoying seeing my ideas, which normally are presented through my visual style, but they're coming through in this whole other thing, which also gave me a chance to try to flex different storytelling, you know, because my style doesn't complement two magnetos throwing airplanes at each other and you know i'm i'm i i'm gonna disagree i'm gonna respectfully disagree with you sir well my current style i mean my current and after years of drawing oz my muscles on that front had had atrophied a little bit <laughs> all right I, i'll grade you i I'm, only because in a few interviews i've heard you say things to the effect of Oh, you know, just the way I draw wouldn't be appropriate for right. a story about this, that, or the other. Right. And and I hear that, and I cringe because right. I, I can't disagree more because that's like saying that Kyle Baker, right. who draws super cartoony, shouldn't draw Nat Turner or Special Forces or The Shadow, which is where he you know, started, or Michael Ringo, who right. we both knew right. uh, and, and loved dearly. I remember talking to him, and, and what he wanted to do almost more than anything was a crime story. Right. And I would never stand in his way to do a crime story, even though I think somebody, some, you know, somebody would say, oh, no, but he draws bright and shiny, so he can't do – Sure, sure. And you did that Frankenstein story. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm talking – I don't know if I necessarily – maybe inappropriate's the wrong word. It's really – it just may be what I'm into drawing at that moment. Like certain stories that I want to tell – don't necessarily float my boat on wanting on sure. drawing that way. And I think that's more because I'm definitely all over people jumping around stylistically. And I'm, I'm working on a personal project right now that I feel like the tone is pretty heavy and is going to be a, a sometimes pretty violent. And I'm actually going very, you know, at, at first my style was shifting towards that direction of being a little bit more grown up. But as I started drawing and talking to my partner, I was just like, I don't, I think I really want to go back to big eyes and really round cartoon shapes, maybe heavy ink ink lines, but I'm almost doing the exact opposite, like taking really cartoony stuff and mixing it with kind of more adult content, which uh, I think is perfectly I absolutely. Mean, yeah. Again, the point the point I'm making right is like we as cartoonists or storytellers or however you want to whatever you want to call yourself, right? People love to to equate a Hollywood concept to comic book concept so it's like oh who's the writer who's the director who's this right. who's that so as a comic artist you kind of everything sure including an actor so you gotta have a range yeah yeah right so you know somebody could w watch it uh, andre brower in homicide and say oh look there's andre brower but then right. you show him in brooklyn 99 or men of a certain age right you're like this guy's hilarious right because he's got time he knows it's it's not necessarily I'm just saying don't typecast yourself. Well, here's the other thing, and I guess I should – this is probably the tag that doesn't get added because it's in my head, and I assume that people are thinking the same way that I think. But when I say the word appropriate, I'm probably meaning commercially like because I'm still working within the frameworks of a commercial business that has very strict 
boxes that, that, you know what I'm saying? Like the stuff that you mentioned, you know, the Nat Turner and those things, those are outside the framework of a Marvel or DC. Right. And, and, and the kind of the lines that they've drawn that say, this is appropriate styles for this kind of thing. Meaning if I write that Magneto story, will retailers and fans accept me and what I would do with it and, and that perpetuates into, or that turn itself into sales. So sometimes my brain thinks a little too much on that. Whereas when I go back, if I go outside of the con- the constrictions of uh, Marvel or DC, I start thinking differently because who, you know what I mean? You're not, but if, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I also look at, you know, after Jim Lee and the Jim Lee clones on X-Men, mm-hmm. Joe mad is what, flipped the switch on that thing and made it right. hot again. Right. And visually it's, it's different worlds. There's always an outlier and there's always going to be something that comes along. Yeah. Why can't you be that? Why can't all of us be that outlier? I think I've been an outlier a few times. <laughs> I'm just saying, but like for you to, you know, let's, if, if I feel like I heard you in an interview say somewhere like, you know, they're not going to put me on Spider-Man and I don't see why not. Well, again, I think drawing the way that I draw now, cause I've drawn Spider-Man. And right. if I kept going in that realm where I, I reined it in a little bit, for sure. I'm saying even if you're drawing it the way you draw it now. Maybe. It's not that, you're not that different on the spectrum from what Umberto's doing. No, I just think in my head, I like... Get out of your head, man. No. That's me saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my head I'm all saying the time. in my head, I want to draw super extreme. Right. So... In the way that I would draw Spider-Man now, it wouldn't happen. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. But I'm I mean, saying I know that if I drew Spider-Man now, I'd want to draw him with 16-foot arms and looking like a tarantula. Well, now like, you're being a crazy person. Well, I know, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, that's, the, that's what happens when you're on Oz for six years, and you literally are drawing like the bulbous head shapes and everything so freeing. But Spider-Man's still a human being. I know, but I would I have I would have a tendency to not even come close to that anymore. Or like nobody is going to have fans will not buy Amazing Spider-Man drawn like with the New York City melted butter backgrounds that I would be drawing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. I want to draw. Right. The right. way that I want to draw it, because I don't know if I would have as much fun drawing it, having to 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 place traffic cones back again, you know, on a book like that mm-hmm. there, I'm going to find my spots. My next project that I'm writing and draw at Marvel is a perfect spot. It's a perfect place for me to play around with the character, draw the way I want to draw. And everybody's going to love it. You know what I mean? Like it's going to fit and everybody's going to go, of course, this makes super sense. You know, what's the thing you would want to do that wouldn't, that wouldn't, that people would go, this doesn't fit at all, but you would, you would love to do it. Oh man! Too super cliche question. You should have the answer at the ready. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to do. It would be cool at some point in my life to do something like a Batman and just do it like, just like throw it to the you know like the same level that like Sam Keith does when he approaches one of these books, right? When he just is like, you think Batman looks like this, but he looks like this, you know? Right. Or or maybe any of them, like a Spider Man. Like if you could get in there, and if I could get in there and do a run, like. But it'd probably have to be more side books, right? Like, No, I'm saying you get a chance. Like Again, I, I would say, for me, I don't think anybody's going to have me draw a main Batman book. Right. Just because of the way I draw. Right. I would love to, but right. I would put the yellow circle back on his chest and yeah. have a belt with capsules on it. Right. And that's probably why, among the reasons I'd never right. get a chance to do it. Yeah, see, my Batman would... 
be like ultra thin. He would have like nine foot points ears on his cowl. So you're going that Bernie Wrightson, Kelly oh, yeah. Jones, yeah. It'd be route. Yeah, he'd have stubble, Sam Keith curly Q stubbles, you know, uh, and then the buildings would just be ridiculous. Yeah. And then the the honestly, I probably just want to draw Batman because I think the villains are sweet because they're lunatics. Batman's also pretty sweet. He is sweet. People like to talk about the villains, but Batman is. Oh, he'd Batman. be yeah, he'd be sweet. He's awesome. So that'd be the one that I think that I could get in. That people would probably be like, what the hell? But I'd have tons of fun doing it. It's a shame they don't do Elseworlds anymore, right? I know, man. Those were the days. Aside from the stuff you've done for Marvel, mm-hmm. you did Bernard. Yeah. And Bernard was interesting on a, on a bunch of different levels. Because it was self-published, quote-unquote, because you released it digitally. Well, I released it as a book first. You did? Yeah, but just sold out of them. Well, I wasn't around for that. Yep. <laughs> but you released this thing digitally. Yeah. And it, it got a lot of heat. It was yeah. it was all over the internet. Yeah. From that experience, gave you a taste of something, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know where you go with this. Do you? Well, maybe. Keep going. All right. So it gave you a taste of something. Yeah. You probably do know where I'm going with this. So the path of Scotty Young, yeah. the road, your yellow brick road, <laughs> Shit. is littered with the debris of unfinished business. Tons. It's just like, like it is like, like like uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. It's like the housing market just hit my creator-owned life, and like the Sanford and Son junkyard, <laughs> yeah. like combined. It's just like all these frameworks. Along yeah, the you highway. just left it in your wake. Yeah. I'm gonna name some of these things. Okay, oh. not that many. One of them is your five vlogs chronicling your original graphic novel. Yeah, Bully Wars. That oh, you never even revealed the title on yeah. the, on it when you were doing it. Yeah. All right, so that's. That's one thing. Yep. You did a video podcast, a sample of one that you called Draw Block. It's on your YouTube page. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Where right. you were drawing and talking about what you were drawing. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. But you never did any more of those. I did a well, I did 10, 15 of those. There's only I only saw the there's like Those were live streaming though and I only had learned how to record them near the end. So that was like you had to tune in every week live because that was when that all that stuff first started. Like, but are they on YouTube? Because I didn't see them. There's a few on YouTube, but again, not not that many. Because at the time, uh, that UStream just launched. All right. So every like that whole culture of live streaming was becoming a brand new thing. So it was basically like every Tuesday morning at eleven, you could just log on, ask me questions in a chat room while I drew. So what you see online is more just the video of that, but not the actual me talking. No, this is you talking. Oh, is there talking it's on you it? and you're drawing like a like a cranky headed dude. It's two parts. Right. And you're just talking about your thought process as you're drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was and a bunch of those, but not all of them made it to YouTube. Okay. Yeah. There's a book that you were working on with Dennis Hopeless. Yep. So there's this this string yeah. of, of stuff. And now I'm asking you this as much for myself as I am. <laughs> yeah, because we've talked about this. We've stuff. talked about this. Yeah. We are guys who have yeah. lists of ideas. Right. In various stages of incompleteness. Mm-hmm. And it is frustrating to not have any of them done. Right. So my question is, what's going on? Now we're, now, I, I now we're getting move into Mark, paper Now we're getting into Mark Maron. Let's just get all this stuff up. No, it's, it's frustrating to me because it's like – it's one of those scenarios where you, you are watching. You are aware of the problem. You're watching the problem and you are just like – I'm not doing anything about the problem. What are you? What are you isolating as the problem? Just the I like 
well, the problem is not finishing them when it's absolutely easy to just finish everything, right? <laughs> like, just do it. Like, I, I, I make a, a, a comic book every single month. Yeah. Like, 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 it's nothing, right? Like, I, I, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I do them with ease. Like, they do not cause me stress. They don't cause me problems. I don't go home at the end of the day messed up about it. I go to my studio at 8 o'clock. I leave at 4.30 or 5. You know, and I have full intentions of putting my kid to bed and then sitting in the room and writing up some new things, drawing new pages, and I just don't do it. Like, up until this point, I don't know what's been the holdup. It'll be, well, maybe I'll do this idea, or uh, maybe this idea is the better one to go with. And I don't know, because I'm an artist, and people are going to think that I'm only an artist, so I really need to prove to them, you know, that I've got this heat in. You know, it's just like any number of those things pop up to your head at any day. And I'm also very guilty of watching a movie or reading a book or just all of a sudden be like, Oh, well this is getting me excited for this. It's like, so it's just the inability to focus past the, the work, the work day. I mean, I won't lie and say that if I could just go to the studio for a good six months and not have to spend the, the work day on work, we'd probably be singing a different tune. You know, it is still is very tough to figure out how to keep the bandwidth. Well, how much, how much is, Having that steady work, having that home at Marvel, and I have a very similar experience with with SpongeBob stuff right. and the work that I do. It's home. It's a it's a, a paycheck. Right. It's a work. When you're done with that work, you've done your job. Yep. I mean that obviously is is one possible factor. Right. I know it is with me, but I also know beyond that, I I draw fast. I'm super fast. You yeah. draw fast. Yeah. We're spoiled. Is it? Is it? Is it? But there's got to be something more than that. Well, no, I mean, well, hey, again, we're, we're grownups, so we're not just going to go quit our jobs, right? I mean, because we have responsibilities. Yeah. So it's, we're not just going to – and I, you know, I have a son and, and yeah. a wife and a son and so – and dogs. So I can't quit my job and, and just throw caution to the wind and you know, do my crazy little thing. So I'm capable of doing two things at once. It's just that I think I've been too spoiled and it's not – when you're hungry, you're hungry, yeah. and you'll do nine things at once because you're hungry. Sure. When you're full, or at least you're, you know, at least you've had your meals for the day. You want to sit on the couch. And you watch just, yeah, exactly, and that's what happens. And you tell yourself during the day, "Can't wait to get home tonight because gonna do it. Gonna, tonight's the night, right? I'm yeah. gonna, do, I'm gonna draw twelve pages tonight." But you don't. You get home and you think, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look through some stuff for some inspiration, and I'm gonna." See, I don't do that. Really? Yeah. I'm going to scoot around the internet and find some stuff to get me juiced up and or whatever I decide is that – or I'm going to read this book tonight and get my head in that world or whatever. Right. And and inevitably, it, it just doesn't roll that way. And, and part of it is, I think, the safety of uh, my process. It's It's – Day in, day out, it's the same. I go in, I do thumbnails on this day, and I pencil all the thing, and I ink all the thing, and it's predictable, and and the words are in front of me, and and there you go, you know, and everything else has just been not that way. I don't know what it was, and maybe part of it is I've tried to maybe do some books where maybe I'm not that kind of writer. Like I think everybody's a certain kind of creator. Like they're good at certain things. Like if you hear you know, a Jonathan Hickman talk about stories or you hear a Warren Ellis talk about stories. You're like, Oh, that's your gift. My friend, like their brain works like that. You know, where I'm like, Oh, uh, what if a guy 
goes into the room and he's got a thing. You know what I mean? Like that's the level of my intricacy or whatever. So if I'm trying to build like a big world and world create, but I think like that, it's, it's almost frustrating to me because I got to remind myself like, Oh, you think like, like, so I've embraced like, you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at little kids looking at weird shit. Like little kids walking around weird worlds looking at stuff. So I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to make a story up as I go along. Because if I think about the only thing that I actually did bring to some sort of completion was that Bernard thing. And it was a month-long thing of jokes yeah. that I didn't care about. And because it was, I didn't treat it like it was a thing, I made it a thing. And my daily sketches I do every day and I do these things and it, they're not really a thing. So they get done. <laughs> And it's it's any what makes a thing a thing. I don't uh, just me saying that it's like some sort of official thing, you know. So it's like, oh well, this is this is official. Okay, if it's official, I've got a what's the plan? Am I gonna where am I gonna publish it? How's it gonna be? What's the format? I'm gonna do a landscape. I'm gonna do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you get in I know your exactly head what you mean. and you run through the check. You run through the checklist, and then by the time you get to a starting point, you've left yourself open for, well, maybe this other idea is the one, right? And you've left that thing and. I need to somehow try to tap into that kind of Doug to Naple of it all where he just is like, this is the next thing in line, bang it out, put the end and then do the next one, you know? And, and somewhere in me, I haven't, I haven't been able to put that, that frame of mind on it. My hope is I finished Oz. I was, I was coming towards that, that finish line. As soon as I finished Oz, I left for Germany got home from Germany for a day, came here, and now I'm going home tonight. So I honestly am feeling like I've been waiting for this next week for a long time. To, I know those feelings. You know what I mean? I, know, I remember at, at a certain point I had been doing SpongeBob comics for Nick Magazine. Yeah. And Nick Magazine was shutting down. And a part of me is like, all right, now I have no more. The safety net is gone. Right. I will not have this regular work. It's time to... It's on me now. Right. I got to get to this list of titles above my desk has to start getting checked off. Out. Right. And then like, you know, you take a little time off. Of course, we're only human. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but then like within then a month phone. and a half, yeah. you get the call. You know this? We're going to be doing a SpongeBob comic now. The magazine's gone, but we're doing this comic. Right. You win. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm in. For sure I'm in. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. The page rates are good and it's steady. Yeah. But I still, th- I, for me, I it's like there's... It's not just that, right? But like it, we wish it was just that because you and I are fully capable of yeah. doing both of them at the same time. Yeah. We know that. It's not just that. No, it's something – it's – it's. I mean I've always told myself that it's like me – for me to, to fully do something, I, I have to get so into it that I, I will lose all social interactions and I'll right. never see anybody and I'll become a hermit. And that's been what I've told myself. Right. But I'm that anyway. Like I don't, I don't do anything anyway. Right. Do you think it's something like this because sometimes like – when you look at any comic book and there's a logo on it yeah, and you're like, that's that book's logo and it looks, it's all cool and it looks like the logo, but then you draw yourself a logo or design yourself a logo in Photoshop and you slap that on an image and you look at it and you're like, why doesn't that look real? I'm not saying, why isn't that good? But you go, why isn't that look real? Um, and, and, and it's part of it because you put all the pieces together and you saw it put together and there's some sort of weird like... I, I, I hear I have a you see where I'm going with everything that? I do of my own I look at and it doesn't look as good I think as other people are seeing it because I'm seeing the mistakes I'm seeing the com- right. their components whatever 
logos i don't have that much i'm using the logo yeah, yeah. as a as the example of because i because there's always a thing for me visually it's when it's like when i when i look at someone's comic book versus one of my comic books that's been published i don't care whether or not mine is good i'm fine with i'm fine with the artwork it'll be better next time but it doesn't look the same like this one looks printed. Yeah, and it's think, a comic book. I think book. that's the equivalent of hearing your voice recorded. Yes, that's a. I should have went straight there. We're <laughs> yeah. on a damn podcast. I should have went straight there. Where that's you exactly hear and go, is that what I sound like? Yeah, is that what yeah. I sound like in this space? Like, uh, yeah, and that's how I feel. And sometimes maybe I don't know. That's how my brain maybe works when it's time to sit down and craft my own things. Everything else is a script gets put You're in saying, front of me. You're saying when you sit down to do your own thing. You have a monitor and you're hearing your own voice. And yeah, it's not real. Like it's kind of like that's a good metaphor. I like this, it. Yeah. Is this is this an actual? Is this a story? Is this a real story that I'm writing? It can't be real because I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's like that. But then it's like when Marvel says, "Hey, can you write Magneto?" and it's got to be done tomorrow and blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Oh God," you know. Or hey, can you just punish her one shot? Blah blah blah. And you're like, "Oh my God, that's do that's do like three days." And you just sit down there and your brain checks out and you start doing the things. And I'm like. Now, why in the world can I just rattle off, you know, a, a script in two days when I need to have it done for this? But when I'm doing it for myself, I don't consider it real. Not, I, I don't want people to get confused about it being good or not because I know artists tend to get sucked into that world as well, where we tell ourselves we're not good and whatever. And I really don't suffer from that too much. Yeah, Scotty Young is Scotty Young's best hype man. I try to be right. I just right. feel like that's a that's a dangerous hole to get in. Where if you're constantly second guessing the quality of your work, because there's so many more pages for us to get better on. They're coming, right? Sure. So to dwell on that on that one is it's well. I always tell people when they're when they want portfolio reviews or whatever that if you can look back on your work from six months ago and find the mistakes, you're yeah. doing something right. Yeah. yeah. Because it means you're getting better and you're seeing your own. Yeah. Man, I flip back through Oz hardcovers and I'm like, one Eisner for this. Woo! <laughs> like, that neck's kind of long. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you just see crazy things. And I don't go, ooh, that's bad. I just go, wow, I, I let that one go. I really, that flowed by me right there, didn't it? Like, and you realize, like, it's a mixture of, like, acceptance of the time. Yeah. Uh, I've got to get it done and got to do the things and what's good and good enough. And there's all those things that kind of tie together. But, yeah, this thing that I'm talking about isn't necessarily about good or bad. It's about real. So, like justifying its actual existence in your head and it's not like it's not legit or something. Do you have tattoos? I have a couple. Okay. This is a, this, okay. But I mean they're like bad like 18-year-old your friend tatted you like in a shut down like garage. I understand. <laughs> but there's certainly a realness and a and a a permanent to that yeah and and granted you made those decisions as a young foolish right, man right 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 and we we're older and <laughs> differently foolish right <laughs> yeah perfect but how is the permanence of a story on paper yeah different than the permanence of ink on flesh well it's not because when i was young i'd make things and tell stories and throw whimsy whatever and they probably weren't great but i made them and now i'm an adult and I want – I can afford crazy cool tattoos and I know every great artist on the planet to make them for me and I have no new tattoos. 
So it's not any different. It's okay. the exact same. <laughs> like, All right. Yeah. So it's that's a great metaphor and in doing the exact same thing with it. So yeah, I have it all the time. Like, Oh, I'm gonna get the sweet Dr. Seuss sleeve and my friend's going to draw it. And this guy on ink masters is going to do it. Cause I know him and all this. And then it doesn't happen. Cause I'm like, man, I gotta think about it some more. That's, that's not the perfect one. And again, it's that downward spiral. And it's, it's just finding that place where I can sit down and in the same headspace that I think of when I do artwork, I want, I need to tap into that for these making books because with pages, like when I have a script and I draw pages, I am fully capable of saying, this is not the best, but it's what's done today. And then you move on to the next one. And this isn't the best, but it's what's done today. How much of it is, and I think this is part of it with me because I have stories that are written, like they are done and laid out. The bully wars, there's 200 pages thumbnailed all out and like 30 pages inked i have a story it is done <laughs> it is written it is laid out yeah it is ostensibly lettered right balloons are in place yeah i just need to draw it and color it what's keeping you what has kept me for a very long time was what do i want it to look like right now one of one of the things i, I draw in different styles i can draw with different finishes right i think you can too sure yeah so you go okay what is this going to look like right how and am I going to construct these? You figures? get lost in test land, don't you? How many test pages you got for that project? Two. Oh, really? Yeah. I love test land. See, I, I don't. I want to know pen yeah. to paper what this thing's going to look like. I have start so many drawers filled with like test pages, <laughs> files called test 001, test 23. <laughs> you know where I'm playing around with a finish. What's what's this book gonna like? I Again, I want it, I, I say it again, and, I, and, I, and I, I'll, I'll keep saying it. I want to find that Doug Tenaple of it all. Like, he's I think a, that's just trusting your instincts, isn't it? Yeah, just saying, like, this is a story I want to tell. I'm going to tell it. And so why don't we trust our instincts? I don't know. Like, I, will, I tell people all the time to trust their instincts. I trust my own instincts, but somehow the object permanence of something, when, when you're going to put your name on it, to use a Jay Moore expression, <laughs> there, there becomes that... Like, this is going to be the thing that defines me. Right. I feel like that slows me down because it's – I talk about stand-up comedy all the time mm-hmm. and how it's, like, it's something I couldn't do because the idea of being on a stage and it's just everybody's looking at me and the words that I'm saying are, are that. But I'll do a panel at a convention. And just blah, 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 and blah, not blah. not skip yeah. a beat. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, yeah, I'm tr- I don't know the – again – it's a, a constant struggle that, that I've been going through. And again, I, I can't, I can't discount. We need to solve this now. I know we do. <laughs> I, I can't discount. We cannot discount the fact that we still work a full day hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that I work a full day depends on the day <laughs> on making other things. Like you, you take all those muscles that we're talking about using and we use them all day. So you can't discount the fact that it is going to be tough when you have a job and you work at it and you get paid pretty good for it and you're comfortable and it's not hard to figure out the reasonings why you don't want to go home and work harder. Yeah, if you just did 30 push-ups, you're not going to go back and do bench press. Right. Even though yeah. you probably physically could and, and, and you and want you, to. And you'd be diesel if you did. Yeah, yeah. Right? But there's something to be said about that lack of hunger. And, and, and I mean, it's not, sort of why I do this podcast. It's, it's, I'm, at least I'm making something right. and I don't have to draw. Right. 
Yeah. Or right. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is other than like for me having eyes behind me now for the time being going into a new, new period, new era of my career. My hope is now to kind of retool that part of everything. So the first step is with my best foot forward in stop thinking about plots and scripts and what's the story and just make something up as you go. Because the last time you just made stuff up, you at least published a book out of it and have a little digital book and you know, you're, you made something. It's very brave. So there's that. Go the improv route. We'll see. <laughs> and then on top of that, there is the other part of me has bent to the will of maybe I need a partner. You know? Okay. This has all been r- running around the idea of I have to write and draw it myself. So I've teamed up with someone that we're working on a creator project because maybe that's just – it's at this point in Jason, Jason Howard, he's the king of telling me this. Well, is it better to have something you own 50 per, like four things you own 50% of or ha- own nothing that you own all of, you know, Jason like, Howard's a wise man. Yeah. So he's frustrated at me all the time too, because yeah, I'm sitting here going, I'm going to do it all except I'm not doing anything. But if I was working with somebody that their process, hungry. yeah, well, they're hungry, but their process is already hammered out too. Like I'm kind of going in and learning a whole new side of this while then trying to maintain a schedule. You mentioned talking to Jason Howard. Yeah. And I want to talk about social game. Cool. Because we talked about distractions and things that keep us from doing the thing we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And you, sir, have mad social game. You are active on all the, all the social media platforms, right. Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. Yep. You got a Vine? You got a Vine? No. Soon. You're working on it. Well, Instagram kind of made their own version, right. so, yeah. And you are like the hub of this this Skype world. Right. Like you have – you pay for Skype so you could have multiple people on at once. And right. you basically built this virtual studio mm-hmm. where I can get on Skype. And if you're there, I'll click in and you'll have Jason, Jason Howard be there. Jeff Parker will be there. Jake Parker. Jake Parker. Yeah. Jeff Parker's the writer. He, yeah, Does the writer, he ever yeah. show up? No, he hasn't, but who knows? Open invitation. Yeah, open invitation. How much of that do you feel? There's two parts to this. How much of that is keeping you? Like I just mentioned being in panels, mm-hmm. and that just there's a certain thrill of that, of yeah. feeling like, you, like you've interacted, you've done this thing, but you haven't done the thing you want to be doing. Right. But you're filling the time. Right. You're having fun. You're in the business. Right. So it's two parts of this. One is how much of that is part of the distraction, and do you think about that at all, or does it just feed the the, ener- the creative energies? And two, and I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but I feel like your social game, because you've been doing Oz for such a long clip, and mm-hmm. in in a vacuum, you would be shuttled off oh, yeah. with the rest of us. You'd mm-hmm. be with me and Chris Russo and Dave Roman and all these guys doing books for kids. That look good. I mean, this Delilah Dirk book that came out, I don't know if you've seen it, it looks awesome. Oh, yeah, it's great. But it's not, you know, Faith Aaron Hicks' stuff. Like, it's not in the the direct market. I don't even call it the mainstream. It's not in sure, that direct sure. market eye space. Right. You know, they're not reporting it on Bleeding Cool. It's not being reported on in, in whatever other right. sites you go to. So your your decisions to be in the social game, social media game and, and play, you know. Yeah, so there's the, the Skype game and there's the social media game, two separate things. Right. Let's talk about the social media one. How much of how much of that is consciously you saying I got to keep one foot in this pool 
so that people don't forget me. Right. Or is it just your natural inclination, as seen in the Skype stuff, to just be at the party? Yeah, it's it's the natural thing, it, and it's been like that since the early days. I mean, I would say that that online kind of social community was the reason that I got things really ramped up in the beginning, 2001, and that you know, back then it was not free to have websites and blogs did not exist and all these things. You had to pay for server and pay for hosting and pay for, and it was not cheap. Bandwidth was expensive, you know, like. So my thing back in the day was a group of us, we got together and was like, Hey, let's, let's be like an online like studio, you know? And our idea, our, we called it lead heavy and then we had a message board and you know, this is back. That was your version of message boards were your version of what Twitter is today. But so we had that and we hosted and we had thousands of members over the you know coming years. But we we took a crop of these kind of new school dudes that kind of like were slightly outside that commercial box and and we were just a network for each other like if you found one of us you'd find the other four or five so we started that so early on and our whole motto or at least my whole motto was just like act as if right just pretend fake it till you make it fake it till you make it man so we just acted like we were the biggest big shots ever right like all of us had like one comic under our belt but you would have thought we'd been drawing you know like i've been drawing batman for 20 you know we never like outright lied or anything but we just carried ourselves like cocky you know 20 year olds yeah yeah whatever so that started back then and i learned back then that heavy connection with your people once you find your people keep them like talk to them because they're your people. Like you find a home with those people. And I know that because I'm that kind of person with the things I like. When I find you, I'm with, I'm in it. Like I'm going to buy all your albums. I'm going to, I'm going to go to your shows. I'm going to buy the t-shirts when I get there. So I just, I always thought about it in that way, but just for comic book artists. So you might not love, I mean, I only get one shot to draw a book at a time. You might not love that book. So I've got to find another way to keep you involved with me while I maybe am drawing something that you're not into. I got to draw something if you can't afford to draw or buy comics. I need you to still maybe want to check out my website or be involved or whatever. So that was that was kind of always been my thing on the online front. That brings up an interesting question that actually I've written down here. So you have what you're calling your people. Mm-hmm. Who are your people? And I ask that because you know by doing the Oz stuff, you've built an audience of, aside from Oz fans Mm -hmm. kids yeah like kids are into it Mm -hmm. it it won a kids comics or whatever the the thing that jersey and dave put together you won an award there yeah voted on by like 400 kids or something like that yeah but i could be wrong i've been wrong several times in this recording so far yeah yeah are kids going to your tumblr site are kids no their parents are so, so who are you? What is your? What is Scotty Young's audience? I think it. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint now because it's it's so all over the place. Yeah. I mean, at first it was people like me. You know, it was kids in hoodies and headphones, and you know what I mean, and uh, with a skateboard on their backpack. And they found they would find me, I think, and be like, "Hey, I have a shirt like that," you know, and and we would connect, and that was kind of our little core group. And as I grew i think those people stayed with me and each level i hope that you know there just be more and i think oz opened that up to 
letting those people feel like it's still funky and weird enough to be able to be like, I still dig it, but you are starting to enter into that. I mean, I've done it for long enough. So six years. So I might've caught a 10 year old who's now 16 year old. Yeah. So that's the beauty of it as well. The person I think that's into it's changing and evolving. So I had someone say like, Oh, I started reading your stuff in high school and now they're like adults, you know, full blown adults. So that's shifting. They may have kids now and have passed it down. But I mean, most of the time when you have, when you have kids as your fans, that's normally going to mean you have their parents as your fan because their parents are the ones feeding it. And they're also usually into comics, at least on a conventional level when I'm there. I think with these, the little Marvel young covers and the Wizard of Oz, I think that women have started to really show up in big numbers now. So I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't know what it looks like anymore. At one point I could define it and it's similar to the, I think it's parallel to the style shift. At one point I defined myself so hardcore that my audience was easy to put pinpoint and define. And as I opened up, not only my tastes as an artist, but my tastes as a fan and let that stuff influence me. I think my audience has also opened up and it's harder to define because people are coming up that I don't expect to be into my stuff or I don't, I don't know how to predict it anymore. I mean, I don't know. It's, no, it's, it's, it's I asked this question of, of Raina Telgemeier when she was on, which is yeah. she writes books for kids, middle grade kids. So that's like eight to 14 or eight right. to 12, whatever it is. And my question was, you know, do you keep doing books for that age group on the expectation that there's going to be another crop? Right. There's always new kids coming up. Or do you grow older with the kids you got at age eight? Right. Do you think about that at all? Is this another thing I could throw into your head to think about to keep you from doing anything? I mean, I've thought about it from time to time. I think that's a dangerous thing to start figuring out, <laughs> trying to predict who you work for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard enough to figure out what kind of storyteller you are in the first place, but then you start adding a whole nother level of marketing. Am I going to write to a market? That starts to become, I don't know. Not a market as much as an audience. Like who are you writing this thing for? I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, when marketing guys sit around a table and we're, you know, we're trying to figure out how to market something, it's what's our demographic, you know? And sure. So if I'm trying to figure out what my demographic is, am I going to, but I'm thinking less in terms of the salesmanship of a thing and more in terms of the content of a thing. Right. So, you know, there's one thing to say, how do I sell this to a kid? Mm-hmm. Oh, you sell it to their parents. Sure. Whatever. But it's, I want to tell a story for an audience. Right. You know, you've, you've heard me ask people before, like, you wrote this for who? Right. You know, and, and I guess since your, your audience, in very broad terms, seems to be so, it's almost like a, like a painter's palette. Like, there's just different splotches of color yeah, everywhere right i mean again not to give you something else for the hopper of thoughts right, right. but when you work on your next thing yeah whichever one it is whichever one reaches completion how much is it me i'm just doing this for myself or do you think this is going to be for this piece of the audience this giant venn diagram of 30 circles that maybe intersect in this tiny i'm trying not to think yeah. about it i'm trying my best to just push forward and not think about it because the times that i have tried to and predict it it's like you know, like, oh, well, Oz people like me on this or people like that I'm doing these baby covers or whatever. So maybe I should do a book that looks like this and do this and try to, you know, and then you're just in this headspace where it's like, but I don't know if I have that story to tell this story over here. I had to tell, and maybe I don't know where that goes to. I don't know which audience, but if I'm, if I stop thinking and I just look back, well, I've never known what the audience was. I've always just done stuff. And then the audience has told me they're there. 
you know, or showed me that they're there. Like these, these young covers, I thought I'd do 10 of them and never do, you know, people would be tired of them and laugh at the gimmick or whatever and walk away. And little did I know that dudes that look like Rob Zombie would come up to me at, you know, and have all 70 of them, you know, like, or parents with their kids and, you know, the whole spectrum. So tattoos. I, can't pro- oh, you, you tweet those tons. photos of people with their tattoos. Tons. I think there's like 15 of them now. Oh, just... my God. I'll do respect. Right. I just cannot wrap my head right? around it. It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I think – I know that I'm just super – it still blows my mind that there is an audience for me. You know, that there are people out there who enjoy my stuff enough to get it tattooed on them forever or they buy books or they you know show show pictures of their kids, reading with their kids. All that stuff to me just – blows my mind at a level to where if I try to attempt and figure it out, maybe I'll make it go away. You know? And so I'll just kind of close my eyes and keep shooting ahead. I think. Does that create a sense of pressure that there is this audience and then whatever you do has to, is that a, a performance anxiety thing where it's, I don't know. It's not about the audience being there. I'm actually more frustrated with myself for not delivering things to them while they are here. You know, there's more of the fear. I have more of the fear of like, this could end. I mean, you know, like I, they could move on like, yeah, well, that's not my thing, you know, and just kind of all like let each other know. I think that it's getting easier now. Like Twitter is amazing because, you know, you get like 40,000 some followers and some people do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like rare air, my friend, (laughs) it's, it's mind blowing that somehow you're in contact with that many people. So it's good and bad because it's also very instantly gratifying, which also probably halts you before you actually had to go make a thing. Yeah. And you had to go make a thing and take a while and then give it to people and see if it's spider web itself out there. Now, I mean, I, every now and then one image will spider web itself through the internet so quickly in one day that you feel like, the king of the world. The and Fozzie uh, Bear Mark Marin drawing. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Did you see the thing on Hulu? No. You know the... So they, they animated it? No. There was that show on Hulu. It's a day in the life of. Okay. It's like a Hulu exclusive show. And they would basically just go and spend a day with a celebrity. And one of them was Mark Marin. And so he went around to his comedy clubs and whatever. And then they went back to the cat ranch. Yeah. And he walked in and the camera's panning around the you know the room and... He's talking about the stuff and like all the stuff he loves. And then the camera goes to him. He goes, but that's my favorite thing in this whole room. And the camera just goes up and there's my print. Of, wow. And I was like, and I'm like texting Casey. <laughs> come up here. Come up here. So I don't know. There's it's good and bad because there's you have access to all these people. And, and you can say, I think that I think that you guys like this what would you guys like to see me do next? You know, and you can get a consensus a little bit, at least a sampling, yeah, you know, that could be... Oh, it's super dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it throws you into a tailspin, right? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's fun and it's cool. And, and hopefully I'll be able to do, take advantage of it in the, in the right ways in the coming years. Now that I'm kind of moving on to the next stage, but yeah. So you, you dipped your, your foot, your toes, your whole self into the, book illustration world with fortunately the milk yeah and and all i can think about with that is like that seems like it's a great gig mm-hmm. it seems like such an easier job than sequentials so much easier 
Like, because that's set my whole brain on a whole nother path, my yeah. friend. So I've, I mean, I've done SpongeBob storybooks. I've done storybooks. Yeah. It's a whole different game. It's, it's, there are no panels unless you decide to do a design where there's right. panels, but it's illustration work. Yeah. You're just drawing. So in terms of going back to something you said earlier about you defining who you are and feeling like you need to stick to it. When you get a taste of this other thing. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a party that says comics for what? Yeah, big part. Yeah. I mean, I mean like Adam Hughes clearly just does covers and just rides that train. Right. And he'll just like, what is the incentive? It's, I guess there's two questions is obviously you, you must think like, oh, this is this is a path. Yeah, I could do this and just do that and be <laughs> right. You know, be Edward Gorey, be one of these guys that uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. He drew the Willy Wonka stuff. Oh, uh Blake? No. Yes. Quentin Blake. Quentin Blake. Yeah. You know, be a Quentin Blake. Be a right. Lane Smith. Right. Be an illustrator. Do awesome work. So the, I guess the two-part question is when you reach these new avenues, when you learn about this new stuff, I learned about licensing work. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's a gig. That's paying work. I mean, the downside is nobody knows who the hell I am. Right. So your ego takes a big hit. But – Man, I look at Fortunately the Milk and I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. I could do that. It's it's something, I mean. Again, it's, not to dismiss what you're doing, but like, I can do that. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you, what keeps you in this game, this silly comic book game? Well, I mean, it's that's a work in progress as well. I mean, this, that's brand new for me. You know, yeah. like, that's, this is just now happening. Right. It's know? finally getting, re- it's released. Yeah, and it's released. It. It's becoming a, you know, it's moving a few units. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. It's a real book by a real writer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's. So it's just now opening those doors for me and showing me that side. So I've not turned – I'm not turning my head away from it. It's – I'm, in fact, the exact opposite, which is exploring it a lot. You um, should. And I encourage that. Not to get you out of com- – but I mean – No. Yeah. I, and in comics, there will always be a portion of me in comics because that is what I – that's who I am somewhere. And I think that's – when you do comic books, when you choose that, there's something wrong with you because it's in you, right? Well, it's it, yes. Because we'd all go chase something else that's much easier and lucrative, but we all choose to to fight it out in this weird ring, yeah. you know. And so that's always going to be there. Whether or not it's always going to be there at one of the bigger companies is is I don't know. You yeah. know, we'll see what 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 comes. But I'm definitely exploring that world. I have an agent now in that world which is Neil Gaiman's agent, you know, working on that project. So that's not a, you know, she's fantastic. And, and I've learned a lot, you know, Harper Collins was super happy with it and uh, working with them was fantastic. There was so many, there was not one single negative to that job that I, yeah, I'd be dumb not to explore it. I mean, it's further. not dissimilar from a comic book writer getting a staff job on a TV show writing. Right. And then you go, Oh, they're abandoning. You know, it's like, there's something, not that you hate comics, but right. there is a it's a different game. It's a different game and I mean it's it's I still am exploring writing and storytelling and I feel that to some degree, you know, what earlier when I talk about what's appropriate and what, you know, and I said, you know, I apply that to commercially and what retailers will are willing to order. You know, my brain functions closer to that world, you know, like my ideas are Roy Dahl type ideas. Yeah. You know, which because I have so many comic book ideas that that feel like James and the Giant Peach, and they feel like Big Friendly Giant, they feel like all that stuff. But there is no market for that in comics. 
like on, in the on, direct market in the sure. direct market in the way that you need it to to sustain you for great periods of time if that's the way you choose you know and if you do go outside of the direct market then you've got to really know how to get that thing out on the stage and not a lot of publishers outside of the direct market know how to handle graphic novels yet out in the publishing you know so it's it's all still very at, at, as of this recording into, at the end of 2013 it's all very it's very mad max out there it's exciting yeah it is yeah and and that's not to that's not to say you know, put on the grass is always greener lenses too, you know, because I, I do think that the public, that side of the publishing world is having just as much busy bumps in the roads as we are in comics with the advent of Kindle and digital and all that stuff. But it's definitely something that I am, am playing with a lot more and developing stories and trying my hand at that as writing and drawing on that side as well. But it was such a fun job that I'd be an idiot not to, to do more with it. No, I remember you talking about it as you were doing it. And just yeah. being like, again, it's like so many less, so much less in terms of backgrounds. Ugh. Stylistically, you just get to just, you just draw, you just draw, you draw. You almost forget that there was a time <laughs> after, after 13 years of drawing comics, you forgot that there was a time where sometimes you just draw stuff just to draw it. And it was weird. And it snaked around the page. Now on a, on a, on a total process level, because, again, the only time I've done it is like a SpongeBob book or an Oswald book, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they send you a manuscript, and there is art direction. Mm-hmm. You know, Oswald walks into the room. Mm-hmm. Weenie is there. Oswald is holding this. And then you compose it, and then they change your composition, etc. Right. And I've seen a comic book script, a plot, and it's panel by panel description, sometimes with dialogue, whatever. So what is the structure of Fortune of the Milk? Is it you get a manuscript – there's got to be an art director, right? There's got to be somebody. There was an art director, but it was – I went through the manuscript with a highlighter, highlighted the stuff that I wanted to draw that I thought needed to be drawn, and went through and did sketches of all that stuff. So you were determining where the bleeds were, what went in the mm-hmm. gutter, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all the page design on that book, all the artwork looping in and out of things was me. I just went in and sketched of what I thought – would be cool images. Um, at first I highlighted it and then I had to print out another one because I highlighted everything. <laughs> Cause I was like, I wanted to draw it all because my comic brain. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this isn't a comic. I've got a, Neil has to tell this. This is Neil's story that he's telling. And I'm ax, I'm accenting Support staff. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to do what I do in comics, which is get in and start throwing all my elbows around it. <laughs> this is my book. You know? Yeah. So I went through highlight everything, sketched everything, and then they went in after that and just added a few spots where they thought, how about something like this, 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 and this, but not even – they might – oh, they uh, they went through and then made a dummy book, put my sketches in, wrapped text around it, and then added a few other like circles that just said, how about yeah. this here, this here, and maybe some extra things. So they didn't change anything. They only added to it, and then I just went and drew that, and uh, that was it. I literally had – no changes, no edits. No, it was crazy. Like every interaction was like this. Hey, here's some more stuff. This is amazing. Oh, thank you so much. This is, and I'm just like, what's happening? I, I now I wish I had like a soundboard with uh, Napoleon Dynamite saying "Lucky." <laughs> I just it's like I keep hitting that button over and over again. It was. I mean, I had fully expected it to be the other way. I prepared myself. Yeah, most um, commercial work has headaches. Yeah changes adjustments right. whatever like even in the best case somebody's going to change something right they seem to enjoy it right out of the gate 
I did do like a quick little, you know, a sample piece just to show them like the ink style I would be doing because my sketches, my sketches were very loose. Yeah. And then during the pencil stages, I sent those just so they could see a little, you know, more finished version of it. But each stage was fine. And then when we got done, I mean, they just took it and wrapped text around it. And I mean, it was the smoothest job ever. I, I mean, I'm sp- super spoiled because I'm sure it will never be like that again. <laughs> but now my brain thinks like, that's how it is. And then if anybody ever gives me a note in that world, I'm like, who the fuck you think you are? You know, that's <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? or it is that case of you know we've heard the stories of stand-up comedians that their first time up is amazing yeah and they bomb five the five next times but they've got the bug yeah i mean i don't know it may have just been perfect storm it may have been that you know it's neil gaiman's book and and he's neil gaiman i don't don't know that's true they were super happy after the book came out you know i've gotten letters from various people at harper collins com you know complimenting on the book and everything so Everybody seems super happy with it. Do you get invited to HarperCollins holiday party? I have not yet, no. Are they sending you to an, on a book tour at all, or is that just Neil? Probably just Neil, yeah. I don't know. I think all publishing houses – I'm probably talking out of school. I don't know, but like all, I think a lot of that stuff's less frequent now, I think. Yeah. For, you know, because they're having just as many of the same concerns that we are. So. Money, money, money. You know that. I feel like we've covered so much. We have covered a lot. It's like we, we kept ourselves in check. We haven't gone nuts. Yeah, we didn't, right? No. You, it's like you're good at this. Stop it. It's like you know what you're doing. You can't take compliments It's like, like that. stuff was said. What? <laughs> you know, when I reach the end, I try and think of the song. Like, the, you know, yeah, yeah. what song we'll play. Right. So when I just said money, 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 I'm like, I got the song. Like, oh, if we no. end it now, I have the song. Yeah, don't do that. But... Then you just said the name of the show. I'm like, I can't just play the theme song. Now you got to go out on the theme song. I can't go out on the theme song. <laughs> what song are you going to go out on? I don't know. We're going to have to talk a little bit more Yeah. until there's a song. Until it's a song. Now, now we're just going to start talking back and forth in song titles or, or hooks. Until I think of a song. Yeah. Then we cannot stop this Woo-ha, conversation. I've got you all in check. And then you just intro about the wrong song. That sounded really weird. <laughs> the expression on your face was really weird. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to naturally talk in these sentences. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Woo-ha. If you guys could see his face. (laughs) It's, it's, uh. Now I I feel like you got to, now you got to go into some 80s song where they're talking about looking into someone's eyes. I'm not going to just name songs. Every, every podcast with you devolves into a conversation about songs and musicians. And we're not doing that. I never tried to. We're not doing it. Let's don't do it then. No. No music talk. All right, Scotty. Thank you. Thank you, bud. So there's that. Not bad, right? Hour and a half. Just under an hour and a half. I'm telling you, we could have talked for much longer. And you know what? Maybe you wanted to hear more. And if you do, look, there's a lot of podcasts with Scotty on them. And there's over 30 hours of this show. So you can hear me talking to all kinds of people. You can hear all that stuff at StuffSaidShow.com. That's the website for this show where there's show notes. This episode's got a bunch of show notes, YouTube videos, things of that nature, images. You can also comment on episodes at that site. 
You can also email me, stuffsaid at gmail.com. I read the emails, I respond to the emails, which begs the question, should I be responding to the emails on the show? Or select emails, like a comic book letters page, or a magazine letters page for that matter. If you want, if you email me, you can put in the email, you can answer on the show. And if it's if it's uh, something I can't answer on the show, and it's worth waiting a month for, then I'll do that. Or I'll respond to you and also respond on the show. But the point is, uh, if that's something people want to hear, I can do it. I, I tend to just think that the show is more about the conversations and less about me? Question mark? And... Anyway, so yeah, the show, the website, email, Twitter, at Stuff Said Show. I'm on there. I tweet from time to time. Sometimes I say something funny. Sometimes I say something poignant. The show's on iTunes. Go there. Subscribe. Rate the show. Hopefully, five stars. You can also leave a comment. I noticed some of you went on there and left the comment five stars. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, I, I feel like I should think of another thing for this episode, but we'll stick with five stars for now because I think it'll be funny if there's just comments that just keep saying five stars. The show is also available at acmewaveprojector.com, part of the Acme Wave Projector Network. Good people over there. The show theme song by Craig Chin at rudeanagrams.com and as always for more about me go to hatterentertainment.com h-a-t-t-e-r entertainment.com and that's about all the stuff I have left to say see you next time yeah so there's a the outer normal webcomic that I'm launching this month and then I'm going to uh, edit out the word this month because by the time oh, yeah. this thing hits <laughs> It's already launched, hopefully. <laughs>